This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Fallon Gore, Spike, Chris, Konohamaru, Booyag, Starry, Logan, Punching Potato, and Jen Solo. Thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another regularly scheduled episode <laughs> of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Welcome home, dude. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you, got uh, to, you were on a little road trip there. I was. I came to see my good pal, Andrew. Yeah, uh, he's which a pretty was cool guy. Really? Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. And he's got a pretty cool little family. And uh, oh, he does. they got a quaint little place to live. And it's uh, it's just great. <laughs> it, it, it really is. It's just just swell. And they've got a coffee machine that uh, outputs uh, cold brew if you want. And that's pretty Ooh. much magic. Yeah, it is, baby. And everybody it's there like, apparently drinks the Pete's like dark as night death coffee, which is what I like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's that it's that coffee that, you know, if you if you're the kind of person who likes black coffee, then you typically want that that dark roast. Not to say that there's anything wrong with a light roast. Um yeah, Actually, I like a I'm light drinking, roast from time to time. I do too. But also those dark roasts can also hold up well if you're the kind of person who likes some cream and sugar. So, you know, you got that. It still has enough of that bitterness to punch through the sweet. So you can, you know, get that nice, easy balance. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, that, uh, the Pete's dark roast. It's, I think it's a French roast is a very solid go-to yeah, I mean, as far as your standard grocery store fare, it's pretty great, you know? Yep. It definitely yep. does the trick. And let's face it, we're probably enough of an addict that it wouldn't matter anyway. So um, there, there you go. But when you, know, you do it get it, ain't your fancy French press, but no, it's not. I, and I actually have a really fancy cappuccino machine. And yeah, you do. Um, I haven't been using it during the summer because, you know, it's hot. It's friggin' hot. And the, the wife's been doing cold brew. So I've been living off that for a while. But uh, mm. when it cools down again, I'll start, you know, learning to steam the milk properly and all that good stuff. Yeah. I do enjoy black oh, coffee, uh, but I'll typically put a little bit of uh, almond milk in it. Or if, you know, during those cold seasons, I'll, I will make a cappuccino and get it nice and foamy. And that's you know, really enjoyable. For uh, for anyone listening who, who doesn't know... Um, before back before i got i had any game related jobs uh apart i guess apart from my internship straight out of out of school um i i put in some time at starbucks i think i did like two or three years um and i gotta say one cool thing that i learned about uh about coffee when i was there was that uh, during my internship, my, my boss at the time, 
uh, really enjoyed wine and he had a lot of memberships to wineries up in Napa Valley. And he took me up there like two times and took me around and showed me how to do tasting and stuff like that. Tried a bunch of different things and working at Starbucks. I realized that coffee and wine are very similar in how you kind of go about tasting them and the different uh the different characteristics that you can look for in in a drink you know they they both are drinks that can exhibit those differing levels of complexity and whatnot and um, they, they invite that level of pretension into drinking. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, which is uh, not me talking down to anyone. I'm very pretentious when it comes to certain foods, <laughs> especially pizza. Um, I get, oh, I get man. really awful about pizza. Um, I, I don't like bad pizza and I get really uppity about it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I do love good pizza. Um, one of the, one of the, cool things that I found I noticed when learning to do coffee tasting was the massive impact that a food pairing can make like uh, Starbucks. I don't know if they still do this blend, but they have like a light to medium roast uh, type of bean that you could get those called the shade grown Mexico uh, blend and it had the, it said on the bag and um, my my boss who was showing me had mentioned that it had these citrus notes and I'd taste it. And I was never a person who liked straight up black coffee um, and I'd taste it. And I was like, oh, it's just it's just coffee. But then she handed me a piece of their lemon bread and had me take a bite of that. And she said now taste the coffee Mm. and i did and it i don't know about anyone else but for me it was utterly different it made all these different flavors that were there in the coffee just waiting and they all popped out and it was like i was tasting something not not completely different but i'd say like 50 percent different you really notice all these different little things that were that were kind of waiting there and uh it was a really nice surprise um, i do dig that lemon loaf over there it's uh it's oh it's super tasty pretty great you know i i have to mention to kind of steer us back onto games a little bit um <laughs> sure. in persona 5 uh, most of the game takes place either at your school in a dungeon or at the coffee shop and oh, coffee shops are so definitely your character is location. like basically staying with his uncle or something. And um, you live upstairs of his coffee shop. Mm. And so every time you come oh, down, man, that's got a smell. Fantastic. Oh yeah. So one of the little mini game slash activities you can do is like, try to put together like good blends of coffee and stuff. And, you know, of of course it's a video game, so you don't get to like sense anything. Um, Until we get smell vision, right? (laughs) Right. One of these days, but it's the the symbolic thing is that the guy that runs the uh, coffee shop, um, his arcana, because everything in, um, in persona is tied to tarot cards, basically. And uh, he he represents the Hierophant, which is basically your religious ritual leader. 
And so the, mm. the ritual that people come to him to do, of course, is to have that morning coffee and to start their day in, in an almost ritual fashion. And it, that definitely is a ritual for most people. I mean, you know, if you were to be more ungracious about it, you might just call it habit. But yeah, it's like, how many people do you know who like they cannot get their day started yeah. without that cup of coffee? Yeah, right? I mean, I can. I don't like to. Right. Like, right. Especially when you're going to like, you know, you're going to do the slog. I have a long yeah. commute. Like for me, just having that one little thing to be able to look forward to. It's like, hey, tomorrow morning I get to have coffee. You know, yep. that's that is something. Right. So and of course, everybody is. meets each other and talks at the at the coffee shop. So in terms of like a story archetype, it's like your watering hole. Right. It's the cantina oh, totally. in Star Wars. It's um, um, it's a bar in most things like in Cheers, for instance. I mean, heck, even in like movies and on TV shows. And I mean, heck, I guess even in real life, like what is the most non-threatening uh thing you can you can use to ask someone out on a date hey you want to go grab, grab a, a cup, cup of, of coffee call. sometime yeah. right right it's like hey it's uh it's public it's inexpensive it's quick you can get out of this easily if you want to right like and that's, most people have something there that they'd at least mildly enjoy yeah so and it's, it's, you know, if I go see people, I typically want to go have, uh, you know, either a coffee or a beer with them and, oh, yeah. uh, or both. So, um, anyway, it's just, it's a, I could go further on to, to that, but you know, we should probably get going here. With, uh, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> this is actually not a coffee podcast, but, uh, I'll probably make coffee a theme in my next game. So oh, totally. Um, so how are things? Things are great. You know, had a great visit. We just drove back. I just got out of the car about an hour ago. Um, nice. That's so, commitment, folks. Yeah, we, we had it well planned out. We basically took the drive in three-hour increments. And, nice. uh, you know, so four stops or three stops, I guess. And then we were there, right? Um, there you go. And that was uh, that was great. I did the beginning. Uh, my wife did the middle two, and then I finished off. So nice. uh, it was uh, a nice way to do things. I had gotten a, a switch game for uh, well, the switch obviously, but uh, I was I was <laughs> saying I was going to um, uh, play it, but then I had like downloaded some phone games uh, as well, and I ended up playing on my phone the whole time and, and didn't play the switch at all. So I brought it there <laughs> and back and didn't use it once. So nice. Good job. That's me. traveling, baby. That's traveling. And you know what game I spent my time playing? This is, this is like a big, I'm, you know, Oh my gosh, I'm old moment. Uh, um, it was basically a solitaire game. Uh, that has mm. some like card game elements, right? Mm. Right. That that's mm. when, you know, and you know where I discovered this game, my father-in-law was playing it on his computer oh, and right. I went up behind him. On I was like his computer on his computer. And he would, he was there a lot too. So like he's sitting there doing his altar. I like walk up behind him. Like, Hey, what's that? Mm. You, uh, I'm just watching. You know, the, 
And it's, <laughs> it's like when a dude's got some food on the grill. Oh, yeah. Flip flip that card. Flip so, it. Yeah. Flip it just like that. It, it's solitaire, <laughs> but it has D&D classes and there's like powers ah. and stuff. Um, but you're absolutely playing solitaire. So um, uh, it's called Solitarica. And I, uh, I, built, I played it for like three solid hours. <laughs> that is a, that is a fantasy <laughs> AF name. Solitarica. So it's fantasy, but you know what it is. I also played burrito bison. Um, <laughs> what? If you've never played burrito bison, you've got to try it. Um, you are a, uh, bison luchador. And you slingshot yourself at um, a candy themed bad guy. And then you fly through the air and smash into gummy bears, trying to increase your distance every time. I like all the things <laughs> that you just oh, said yeah. to me. It's like you designed it, honestly. Like it's, oh, it's, man. it's really fun and very colorful and very silly. Um, and then like when you beat up the pinata prizes they give you, it like looks beat up, like it changes its expression. Oh, oh God. Please <laughs> but no it's still, more. But it's still like trying to smile through it <laughs> oh. until it like bursts open and I'm a pinata. I have to look happy, right? Oh, but it hurts. So yeah. So anyway, I got old this uh trip. That's what yeah. I learned. It'll it'll it'll, it'll get you. So how about you, man? How is it going with you? It's going good. Uh, When we were out here, we got back into painting as has become, you know, another ritual for us, I guess. Uh, Yeah. And I, uh, I decided to take a, like a real honest to goodness crack at doing different lighting Mm -hmm. um, on, on my, on my minis and uh got some got some really cool effects i was pleased yeah they look good they look really good i appreciate that yeah Um, yeah, that guy with the torch you had because you had also you were also using the inks to do mm -hmm. the transparent pieces and you had the yellow and the red blending in together in a way that felt natural and then it was glowing on the character and then uh he had those like green glowing flasks to give it some nice contrast so that was your idea. Yeah, just that one thing. I was like, yeah, hey, uh, do this. But like my <laughs> paintings look like butt for the most part. Like they're not great because I just don't have the patience. But like I can sit there and like sideline someone who's actually good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You oughta you ought to do that. Oh, should I? Should I do that? Hey, you yeah, gotta yeah, like take some bite or whatever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, a little green on there. Yeah, there you the go. Worst, worst I'll take 20%. art director ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy. I, oh man, I I supervise. Yeah. Uh, you know. So that that, that that's was mostly that what was teaching really is, cool. by the way. Um, so <laughs> um, completely unrelated, but something very interesting that just happened to me uh, i looked out our window just before i hopped on here um and i saw over in my father-in-law's front yard right next door i see this like flash of white in the grass and i realized that a a bird i think it was a morning dove had like i don't know how it got there but it seemed like it must have crashed or fallen out of the tree or something and it was like a full grown bird um and i go over there and this thing this 
poor bird is still alive so i actually like went and i i got like a, a dish towel and some gloves and i kind of gently picked it up and um took it next door so we're we're trying to <laughs> as we speak we are trying to like hopefully rehab this this bird hopefully um it seems like it's kind of wants to drink but it at the same time it seems like it doesn't like its neck is very it's super bendy like it just kind of flops around and i know birds have very very flexible necks and and heads and stuff so i don't know how normal that is i figure if the thing's neck was broken it would just be dead but we were we're trying to be very gentle with it and um you know give it like a nice comfy spot to to sit and kind of rest its head against and stuff um we tried to give it a little bit of water with a with an eyedropper and it seemed like it was opening its beak a little bit to try to drink so hopefully there's some hope for that little guy but um by the way, was, I have your, a, was, was your cat like salivating the whole time? Was he just like, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no, he didn't see it. He probably would have lost his mind. He'd be by like, the way, for, ah! for, for those of you that don't know, um, Andrew thinks he has a cat. It's actually just a, a tiger. It's like a full grown <laughs> hunting cat. It's just this gigantic thing. He's a he's a big old kitty. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I'm pretty sure uh, he could just, you know treat that whole bird as like a tapa you know <laughs> you just, just make it disappear <laughs> yeah but i i def i've got like such a major soft spot for animals oh like sure I, yeah oh just i saw you know, that you know what's funny i see a lot of people in this hobby kind of mention stuff like that i like i don't know i mean it's it's cool to like animals anyway but like i, I do find that there is a big soft spot for for people that like rpgs do you do you think it and and i i don't mean to you know to well i guess maybe i do mean to stereotype a little bit you know the in nerdy hobbies like this one we do tend to uh have a lot of folks who you know maybe are not the most socially inclined yeah people, i, you I know, mean that's and, fair to say you know look and, at us <laughs> Right, exactly. Just just uh, in our shells all the time. Uh, I wasn't cool in elementary school. You weren't cool in elementary school. I I wasn't I wasn't even cool up until up until I met you, maybe. Oh yeah. Um, Cause we were at the place where nobody was cool, so everybody <laughs> was cool enough. Yeah, there you go. Maybe art school. Um, but you know, animals are are pretty great in that you know you you kind of feel like you know there's not that sense of judgment or social pressure and it's just it's kind of this um maybe an unequal but uh but pleasant relationship where you can just care about this living thing and most of these animals are very capable of giving affection back and having mm-hmm. this you know this this unique kind of give and take that's very you, you can that's create very a bond. special yeah no it's i think you're absolutely really onto something i think you're absolutely right yeah it is like hey i don't know how to social today but my cat loves me right like yeah that's, that means you a lot those snuggles a lot. either way you know uh that's 
really good stuff. And even people that like play like Rangers and stuff, they get, they get, uh, sometimes they get really attached to their, their creature. Their, oh man. Their I love companion. finding, I love finding pets. Oh yeah. And games. everybody, we did a whole episode about that. You know, people like com- yeah. collecting their, their Pokemans, you know, so oh, man. it's, it's good stuff. Man, I gotta pitch and poke man so I can be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of uh, things that players really like to collect. Oh, gimme, 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 gimme. Okay, so th- this is branching off a brief discussion we had in the Discord today, but I did want to talk about feats. Uh, mm. fe- feats are, are pretty like interesting. <laughs> well, not as much as uh, some people do. Um, <laughs> like uh what's his name the director um uh uh the the kill bill guy tarantino <laughs> yeah tarantino yeah i don't like him as much as he does um ah. but uh yeah tarantino i'm not i'm not sure how much that is 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 that a high bar it's a it's a lot he, he, uh, he does yeah he's a fan i know my directors i don't know their names apparently but i <laughs> <laughs> I know their the likes dude, and dislikes. The dude who did the thing, you know, he's down with feet. <laughs> so he don't know Kill name. Bill. He likes uh, he likes feet. He likes that's feet. that's all I know. He also likes blood a whole lot. Um, buckets, buckets. He, he does more, like buckets. More feet. More buckets of feet. <laughs> Throw the feet. Yeah. So it has just like this this voice that just kills me <laughs> but anyway um so all right tell us tell us about these feet so yeah feet so i i did uh, a cursory a uh, bit of research to see when did dungeons and dragons get feats and um apparently they're they're the first like official these are feats these are what these are and they're in the core book the first time that apparently appears is actually third edition in the player's handbook. Really? But um, during uh, AD&D, they do have a couple of supplements that sort of creep on the scene that bring up, hey, do you guys like this concept? Which is not surprising because in a lot of publications that we see nowadays, especially as you get later and later on into the life of, of an edition, you see them start to kind of throw out some experiments oh, yeah. at you i mean it's it, it was it's essentially ad and d's unearthed arcana right you know right so it's it starts out some there play test stuff chuck it out there and see what sticks so apparently there was there was like a like a dragon lance one and there was a book about celts um expansion book about celts and i think one of the other things that was met uh, mentioned on the discussion boards was Oriental Adventures, um, mm-hmm. and so anyway, so they sometimes they were called like uh, special skills. Um, what's What's weird is there the name of it is kind of not. It doesn't seem accurate to me. It makes, I always thought it was short for feature. So that's one of the first things I read was that it isn't. Um, oh. But that well. a lot of people think it is, <laughs> and that it's actually more accurate if you think of it that way. <laughs> ah, so no, so. but yes, <laughs> <laughs> great, my favorite kind. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, so it, it was first born out of like creating skills and they were like, well, you know, the thief has got some unique abilities. They have some skills they can do. What if we made a feature that didn't have a check involved? And they were mm. like, hmm, that's interesting. So they started playing more and more with these with with their various expansion books. And then it was fully adopted um, nice. in third edition. So if I'm wrong about any of that, I'm sure Spike will let me know. So <laughs> um, the. Uh, so here I have. Hold on. OK, so here I have I opened up my my fancy cover edition of the core 3.5 rule book. Ooh. Um, Good on you for hanging on to that. Yeah. Well, it's the one that has like kind of like the gold leaf edges and like the fancy, um, like black cover. Uh, yeah, and it's got like the I remember. Red, red tag. So anyway, all right. So, uh, you, I turn to the feats page here in 87. And this is what they think a feat is, okay? So they say a feat is a special feature. Aha! Ah! Aha! That either gives your character a new capability. So that's that's key because that's going to change. It Mm. gives your character a new capability or improves one that he or she already has. And then it goes on to explain what it might look like. Okay. And then at the very end, it says, unlike a skill, a feat has no ranks. So you can you can read here how they're like, hey, we know this is a little bit different. Mm. So let's explain it to people that are coming into this. Right. Unlike a skill, a feat has no ranks. A character either has a feat or does not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Again, main things here. It's a special feature that gives your character a new capability or improves one that they already have. And it has no ranks, unlike a skill. But they Very sort good. of assume that that you think that this is like a skill. Okay? Yeah. So so there we go. So the the 3.5 edition um, that I'm looking at here, because I don't have an original third edition book around anymore, I don't think. Uh, yeah, even my normal cover in there, that's 3.5 as well. Actually, give me two seconds. I may actually have one. No, uh, yeah, there you go. Probably of says course, the same thing, I'm guessing. Of, of course, I don't have freaking Xanathars, but I've got a third oh, edition. I mean, shame handbook. on you, honestly. This, I have like three copies <laughs> of Xanathars. Well, send um, me one. Hold on. <laughs> no. So uh, that's probably where they got the idea of feet being short for feature, by the way. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Where would this, where does this actually say that it is third edition and not 3.5? I would say right on the cover. It just wouldn't say that it's 3.5. Oh, yeah, it does not. It says player's handbook, core rule book one. Yep. So, so I think it was eighty-seven. I was on eighty-seven. Ah, eighty-seven for me is a description. So for feats, it's on page seventy-seven. So ah, okay. Let's see. A feat is a special feature that either gives your character a new capability or improves one he or she already has. 
for example, example blah, Lydia. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yep. That feat adds. Da, 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 da. Unlike a skill, a feat has no ranks. A character either has a feat or does not. So it's it's word for word the same. Yep. Um, okay. So that's the the first major intent. Now, what are a couple of feats that you kind of remember from that edition? What are the Monkey first grip? Monkey grip. One hundred percent, baby. I will just live and die with monkey grip. That's in one of like the like paperback expansions. Um, I love that damn or something. Feet. Yeah, it, it's it, that's not even in the core book. But yeah, monkey grip allowed you to wield like what was like two great swords or two bastard swords or something you're, like that. You're able to wield. You're able to wield uh, a weapon that is one that could be wielded by a character one size category larger oh, or, right. oh. or you can do you can one hand something that your size category would normally have to two yeah, for, for, right. for two hand oh man see how much he remembers it he he was like wow oh, right. i i love that freaking feat by the way that's like how almost the entire player base of elden ring players approach the game Either, yeah. They're either like dual wielding heavy weapons uh, or pull arms or they're uh, using rivers of blood. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that's that's cool. One of the big ones I remember is the cleave tree. So when it, oh, you, you start with yeah. cleave and then great cleave. And then I think there was like an expansion that had like this, a supreme cleave or something. Um, oh man even better cleave right so they would so one of the concepts that they actually got rid of in the current edition was this idea of sort of feet trees yeah right so most feats had prerequisites typically it was like a an ability score or a certain level or that you had another feat right and pathfinder on the other hand maintained that even in the second edition didn't they Uh, i don't have the the second editions i don't have the second edition book in front of me but i did play uh, a little bit of wrath of the righteous which i believe is based on second edition and uh yeah as far as i could tell it still had it um i thought i heard that definitely not my favorite thing um Mm. and you know people people are kind of mixed on that one um and, and part of the reason why I don't like it is because it feels like you're taking one feat for the most part. You're right. Um, there was, it didn't really make much sense to go partially into one without finishing it. Right. Um, so, I mean, there was, there's probably a couple of very particular builds out there that would do that. Uh, but typically, if you're a fighter, you're in third edition, you're probably specking either for cleaving or for... Um, whirlwind power attack attack. well power attack was part of what you needed for cleave right right? so power attack was like that's the first thing you do Mm. so i I forget it it, and i already closed it but it was either the prereq to cleave itself or to like great great cleave i remember it was it was something you needed as part of it right um so and power attack pretty much made its way through every edition in one form or another. Um, so it's got a good name. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory as well, which is nice. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, in fourth edition, uh, and I have the book here for this one. Uh, it says, as you advance in level, you gain a number of benefits that improve your capabilities. These benefits are called feats. Typically, a feat doesn't give you a new ability. Isn't that interesting? So right what? away, they're they're changing the definition and saying, that's not so much what we're doing. You might see it here and there, but mostly you're not gaining new abilities. Mm. Um it says, but instead improve something you're already able to do. So they're focusing more on that second half that they did in third. Okay? Mm. Um, a feat might provide a bonus to a skill check, grant a bonus to one of your defense scores, or allow you to ignore a particular restriction or penalty in certain situations. So it's Some making you better oh, at something you, yeah, similar to what you already do. Yes. You're just cranking it up a notch. Okay. So before I close it, like, I'm just going to throw some in here. Um, So action surge, you have to be human. Your prerequisite is human. Benefit, you gain a plus three bonus to attack rolls you make during any action you gain by spending an action point. Mm. (sighs) So what sucks about (laughs) these feats and some of the ones in third um, is uh, this word bonus and penalty. Right. Right. Bonus and penalty is boring. All right. Now, at least at least for the most part, they're situational. When you do a thing, a thing happens. So that's that's kind of nice. But it's almost always plus two plus one. And what I find a lot with that in games is people quibbling and lawyering and begging to be able to add two or three or whatever. Or in fifth edition, you know, it's maybe there's some argument over advantage, but at least it's either you have advantage or disadvantage or nothing. Right. Um, so that's a little bit easier. But like in both um, third and fourth, you could stack uh, those plus twos and minus twos and do all kinds right. of nonsense, um, which isn't, you know, bad. But here's the thing, like both of those books and their expansions have a gigantic list of feats. Okay. So there were yeah. so many. I remember um, they had the uh, fourth edition, like online tool you could do yep. to make your character. And by the time they, you know, they had like their third player's handbook and stuff. Um, I mean, when you're making your character and you're picking out feats, like it was a process. I mean, there was a lot of stuff there to pick from. Yeah. Or or was there? So that's uh, that's the main problem that we're seeing mostly with with these two editions. And we also tend to see the same problem in Pathfinder. Um so here I have the Pathfinder book. Okay. Now this is first edition. Yep. Okay. Some abilities are not tied to your race, class, or skill. Things like particularly quick reflexes that allow you to react to danger more swiftly. The ability to craft magic items. I like that one, by the way. Mm. Um, The training to deliver powerful strikes with melee weapons or the knack for deflecting arrows fired at you. These abilities are represented as feats. While some feats are more useful to certain types of characters than others, and many of them have special prerequisites that must be met before they are selected. And boy, howdy, do they do that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. As a general rule, feats represent abilities outside the normal scope of your character's race and class. Okay, a little bit of reiteration, but fair enough. Many of them alter or enhance class abilities or soften class restrictions, while others might apply bonuses to your statistics or grant you the ability to take actions otherwise prohibited to you. By selecting feats, you can customize and adapt your character to be uniquely yours. Or can you? (laughs) So, have you played much Pathfinder? I haven't really played... I don't think I've honestly played any. Uh, The most most recent time, I I mean, we played the heck out of 3.5. Yeah, we did. And we played a lot of 4th. Right. So, at least with 3.5, you know, given that Pathfinder first edition was essentially a an extension of it you know it was kind of like 3.75 sort of um you know i i don't feel like i really missed much um and i did play at least in the um at a at the gamma conference i played pathfinder 2 um pre-release so i got to i got to see like you know what they were doing with their new action economy and things like that um so that that's basically the extent of my familiarity with pathfinder i've heard plenty about it in uh at least to the extent to to kind of get the gist um but I, I have never been a Pathfinder player. Okay. All right. That's fine. Um, I've played it a bit. I've been in a few games. Um, and by games, I mean campaigns. Uh, I, I ran it once or twice. Um, not my favorite system by any means. Mm. Um, there's a reason I definitely spend the vast majority of my time in 5th edition. And part of the reason is because of feats. Mm. So... The very next page, it's got a list, and there are one, two, three, four pages just saying what they are, the prerequisites and their benefits, like in a one lane chart. In a chart. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it seems like there's a lot here. However, the majority of them are nested under bigger feats. Right. right. Which, okay, I can't say is like objectively a bad idea. But it does make, you know, some of this feel like more illusory mm. of a choice than it is. Right. And they even say up front, like, hey, some classes are going to kind of lean to some of them. Oh, OK. Right. Sure. So in fifth edition, we see this problem a lot, mm. um, even though they've made some improvements, at least what I think are improvements in some ways. OK. Um, so. What are their feats? They're pretty much the same as the third edition ones. Okay. Except for there's more stuff. Um, now, one thing I don't have in front of me <laughs> is the fifth edition player's handbook. Um, oh, I think that one's packed away still. I need to get that one out, but I know you have one. I do. One sec. Okay. So feats. In fifth edition, don't even have their own chapter. Uh, feats in fifth edition are actually listed as, uh, though a lot of people don't 
treat them this way. Uh, they're actually listed as an optional rule. So they actually kind of, um, the game is designed at least at its basic level, assuming that feats won't be used. And they basically say you can use these if you want. Um, so one, one thing right away there is when you look at a lot of the third edition books, not only for D&D, but other sort of Roll20 systems like D20 Modern or Star Wars, mm. that they were um, a lot of the classes would be like class feature and then next level would be like bonus feat. Yep. And then they would give you like a list of bonus feats appropriate for your class. Mm. Right. And a lot of them were very similar to the ones in third edition. Right. And so, um, and then it would be like class feature, bonus feat, class feature, bonus feat. And like, I think D 20 modern, especially was just like every class was, was that essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, it, yeah, in fifth edition, they go, okay, you don't gain a feat ever. Um, you get an ability score increase. And right. then as an option, you can take a feat instead. Right. So that's the idea. And it really does feel that way because taking the ASI, as we call it, um, the ability score increase is almost always the right choice. Um, particularly if you're playing a dex based character. Um, and yet I take feats constantly <laughs> right and and well and why is that why do you do why do you choose to do that and i i i thought that we might be getting into this later so i've been holding on to it but basically like i i love feats i always have yeah um yeah because frankly just turning up a number to me that's boring Right. I, right. you know, it, it doesn't feel fun. If, if anything, it feels like I just have to make my numbers bigger in order to keep pace with the game. Um, yes. Where feats, especially in fifth edition, I think they did a nice job of this, where they basically make a themed ability package where like, uh, like one I'm looking at here is actor. And it says, skilled at mimicry and dramatics, you gain the following benefits. You increase your charisma score by one to a max of 20. You have advantage on charisma deception and charisma performance checks when trying to pass yourself off as a different person so you can portray other people like an actor. And you can mimic the speech of another person or the sounds made by other creatures. You have heard... uh, You must have heard the person speaking or heard the creature make the sound for at least a minute. And, you know, then they give you a little information about the checks that uh, would be impacted by that. But they you too can do an Al Pacino impression. That's right. Uh, But I won't do one now. Um, (laughs) You're welcome. Um, So. Fifth Ed takes this angle of basically giving you a a themed suite of uh of new things that your character can do or easier ways to do things that you maybe could have tried before but it might have been more difficult that sort of thing and it really to me it it helps it helps me to 
make my characters feel like they embody an idea much more like you know if if i want to make this big rough and tumble guy who's really good at throwing dudes around and stuff i might take grappler i might take tavern brawler you know things like that where you see the title and you go i want my guy or gal or whoever i want my character to to be able to do that thing you know you see the charger feet and you get a pretty clear image in your head of like oh if i give my guy the charger feet what do i think he'll be able to do you know yes so um i agree with you and yet there you know you would probably agree that the list of feats is rather limited right at at least definitely uh, compared to the other ones the list is much shorter now the other feature however is that you get typically more bang for your buck there's a few that don't like there's still stuff that just gives you proficiency in something yeah um there are less of those though so um so a couple of things with the fifth edition feats where I think by and large, I prefer them to the other editions, certainly to fourth, um, sure. you know, but um, my issue with fifth is it, it, first of all, it doesn't seem like they're that focused on it. Like they almost don't want you to do it. So it's like, why didn't you just go full bore on this? The other thing is the ones that are really good are too good hmm. and they become things that you can't pass up. And if you're optimizing, you're typically, if you don't take it immediately as part of your race, then you're probably not going to do it until about level eight. So it's, you know, or unless you're a fighter, then you might, you might do it earlier because they get ASIs more often. And that's okay. why I play fighter. <laughs> and and I think that's why most of the feats are sort of geared that way, right? The, most of them have to do with with combat, although things like actor also exist. Sure. What what I would like to do with my feats, and technically I do have this freedom, but in a meta sense, I don't, right? I want to play the big scrappy guy and then take actor anyway, because it would be funny, right? Um, because it would be that would be unique. That would be weird. Right. Um, you're basically Chris Hemsworth. Sure. <laughs> right? so, um, but I can't. I mean, I can, but I shouldn't. Right. Well, because ba- based on what? So that's like, where I'm going. Based okay. on based on if you don't want to feel like you're losing something and based on the fact that you are a part of a team and you have to be able to perform your role to make sure the other players don't die. Um, and so as it is a, a team sport, at least to a, to an extent, by the time I can really start taking more like f- just flavor only things, um, you know, usually I have to blow an ASI and maybe get a different feat or two as ASIs. So um, well, that I, can be a little bit frustrating. I would maybe counter with this you would hope that 
your GM is aware of the choices that you're making. And if you really did have a good reason to want to give your car- your big fighter guy the actor feet and the, you know, and, and if you're, you know, you're not taking it as just some silly gimmick, like you, you want this to be a real part of your character. I would hope that your GM might at least consider that, okay, he's making this choice for RP purposes and he's trying to make a cool character and he's not trying to like, you know, screw over the rest of the party. Maybe the GM could also kind of meet you halfway on that and, and design their encounters to at least factor that in that, okay, you know, you're, you're not hyper-focused on character optimization. So maybe they pull things back a little bit so Mm -hmm. that the challenges are still feel, still feel fun and appropriate for the party that you have, because isn't that the nice thing about playing a tabletop RPG is that your GM who's telling the story is a human being who can adapt what they're presenting to you for the unique party that you have. So yes, they are. However, they're prepping a game and they have to um, be passable, at least passably familiar with what you're doing as well as every other player while also trying to make sure the, you know, monsters are statted up and all that good stuff. Right. They're not going to memorize everything. The other thing is these are written fairly um, explicitly. Like there are a few places where in fifth edition, the rules are a little bit unclear, but for the most part, they're pretty, they're pretty well worded. And so they're there. What that does is it gives your players a certain amount of control over the game. Right. It defines a parameter that they can do like spells are much the same way. And frankly, fifth edition is more concerned with spells than they are feats. And Mm. where you can get a lot of your flavor for your character is actually, I would say, in fifth edition, more wrapped up in your spell selection, which is why with every expansion, they've expanded the uh, amount of ways you can get spells and things that mimic spells. Mm. So. Because that really adds a lot. Like in Strixhaven, for instance, the background you can take gives you access to spells regardless of your class. Mm. So that's really cool. Right now, it's like you get like one or two, but that's it. And but that's still something that helps define what your character's doing. And you can flavor it like it's not even magic. You can right. flavor it like, you know, like let's say you take um, Thunder Wave. Right. You know, and you put it on your barbarian. You can just say my barbarian stomps hard on the ground and roars and does yeah, a you do da, Hulk right? smash, Hulk smash, Hulk clap, whatever you want to, however you want to flavor it. Right. You know, as long as you meet all the technical requirements, you know, you can, you can say it does whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Um, so, but, it, but with feats, it's like, here is exactly what you can do. Right. And so mm. that means that you don't have to rely on your GM for this. And that is good for the player. It's also good for the GM because then there's no real argument. Usually 
<laughs> about <laughs> about what these mean, right? So um you're you're right in that yes, the the game is adaptable because the GM does exist. Um however, have you never felt maybe a little annoyed when like you don't get the um support from your party that you would desire? Like when someone doesn't do something on their turn to like assist successful completion of an encounter um, or are just, they just want to get damage out, but someone's down, you know, sure. or they just won't heal at all, even though they're spec for it, you know, um, or, you know, your wizard is so concerned with saving spell slots that he never uses them. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so like stuff like that that can actually be detrimental to to play, you know. I you can certainly imagine a lot of players, not Andrew, but a lot of players that would say you your rogue who is primarily an archer has fifteen dexterity, and we're level eight. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you even doing? Like that's actually like offensive because right. what that says is that you don't care about any anyone but yourself. Mm. So at least when it comes to combat. And so my character died to the dragon who had 10 hit points left. And, you know, this character I spent all this time working on uh, because, you know, you wanted to do your, you know, your, your fanfic, but, you know, you forgot it was a game too. Mm-hmm. So that can be very, very frustrating. Um which is not to say that players should feel obligated to 100% optimize. I think there is a, a, a rational ask here, right? Like if a player comes by and they say, well, I took a feat instead of the ASI. So I still have 17 strength. I'm like, all right, well, what did you take? Well, I took grappler. Okay. I mean, you can still, you know, do your job, right? Right. And, you know, you're just doing a different. Okay. Instead of doing a lot of DPS, you're going to lock people down. So that's useful. Um, That's great. And I think grappler still allows you to like hit people on your turn. So it's fine. Well, Um, I I think I would also ask, but if he's like, I took actor, it's like, okay. Is like, unless your GM is real cool about player shenanigans, you, you're just down dpr which sounds contrary to role-playing games but remember that it's a role-playing game and a war game at the same time so that I, there's my diatribe i i think i would i would probably throw in a few things like you know a lot of the games that i've been in when when leveling up oftentimes you know people just take you know, whatever feat they want to take. And it's not really a point of discussion. Um, but generally it, it, it does make some bit of sense and it, you know, depending on the table, you know, it maybe ought to be something of a discussion you have with, with your GM, especially if you're planning on taking a feat that's decidedly, you know, out of character for you. Like, like if I'm a fighter and all I've been doing is fighting 
and doing fighting, doing fighting, doing fighting. And we've been out in the field adventuring around and I haven't really been exposed to anything resembling uh, magical training or or having been in a situation where I could observe somebody doing basic magic where I could where my martial character could conceivably pick it up. It would be weird for me to then as I level up go, you know what? I took magic initiate, you know, because I, sure out of nowhere and right, and, and a GM exactly. can certainly say you can't take that, right? Because and, they could say there's no reason. But like you know, if you say, well, there's a wizard in the group and I always spend time hanging out with him and I've mentioned this a few times and I asked him to teach me spells, then well, it's that, fine. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. So if somebody comes to the table and they're like, hey, we just leveled up and my dude who has been previously like not particularly social and yada, 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 yada. And I'm taking actor seemingly out of the blue the GM would be within their rights to go, whoa, 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 why? Like, what's what's the reasoning behind this decision? Are you just trying to do something weird? Is this, you know, is this really the uh, a reasonable thing for you to be doing? And it also makes me think, like in your example with the uh, the ranger, who's an archer who only has 15 decks or, or whatever, basically something's going on statistically on their sheet that doesn't quite jibe with the, the job that they chose for their character. My question would be, why did they choose that class to begin with? Like, you know, if you chose to be a ranger and you chose to focus to have your character focus on being an archer, but you've left them at 15 decks and you're clearly prioritizing something else. Why? What's the, what's the thought process there? Because that to me says that well beyond just not pulling their weight, it feels like there's like a fundamental disconnect there where they want, they clearly want to do one thing and they ch- clearly chose a class. So, that so this doesn't is where I'm getting up, to. Right. So okay. this is where I'm getting right. Cool. Because sure. If one player is like, oh, because I thought it was funny, then, you know, there's no rule we can write where the the game designer can fix that. Right. Of course. Sure. Right. But if they go, well, I didn't I didn't know or I thought this was good or or whatever. You know, the question is now we have a now we have a different issue where we go, well, if you're going to play this, you have to take these feats. And now they don't feel like options anymore. Right. Right. So this is where I'm kind of getting. So in my opinion, the the worst feat in like all of Dungeons and Dragons is weapon focus. Right. Sure. So in like third and fourth edition, they had weapon focus and weapon specialization. It's like when you use axes or whatever weapon you pick you get plus one to attack roll first of all that's not enough stuff (laughs) yeah second of all it's boring it doesn't fundamentally change like if 
weapon focus longsword made you like gave you new options for longsword, then okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But as soon as you start affixing bonus and penalty, then you've lost me, right? Yep. Because this is no this is no longer an option. This is a must. You turn it into a numbers game. And number once there's math, you can figure out what is quantifiably <laughs> best or worst. So, yeah. So your character is like now they're only ever going to use that weapon, first of all. And second of all, what you've basically said is get plus one to attack. Yep. Well, you attack bonuses are incredible. Statistically, you just you basically have to have them because missing sucks. And if you yep. miss entirely, you dealt zero damage. Yep. You did you did nothing. And in fact, you're probably in a more vulnerable place, right? right. So they're like, oh, man, you didn't take weapon focus. What are you even doing? It's like, well, what if I lose my axe? It's like, that's probably not going to happen. And even if it does happen, it's going to be for a limited time. Right. right? And then you're going to either get another one or you're going to get it back, you know. So look, we're not going to, like, make a campaign where just despite the half-orc barbarian, we take away <laughs> his great axe and then never let him have it again. Oh, right? man, not- what? I I almost want to <laughs> try to do that just for the sheer <laughs> yeah. exercise of it. Like, what kind of world circumstance would there have to be for just <laughs> axes specifically to just be gone? There's no just, more axes. This what? is just when you... You, you like really want that player to just not come anymore, but you're afraid of confrontations. So like <laughs> you won't just tell them <laughs> you just, somebody uses wish for that. I wish axes were never a thing. Like great. They make swords. eye contact with the guy in question. <laughs> great swords. Still totally a thing. Not a problem. You could chop with a great sword all day long, but an ax never heard of it. <laughs> okay what if i tape a short sword on the end of the stick is this an axe now it's like you just narrow your eyes at that dude i know what you're doing <laughs> i know what you're doing um so yeah i feel you so, man so that's okay so in fifth edition they get away from that thankfully however they they sort of accidentally make some things that you you might say are s rank feats which is to say, and I'm borrowing this from Treant Monk's Temple because he had a great video uh, that was basically rating all the feats. Sure. And for him, S rank in anything is actually bad. Okay. Mm. So if you're looking at the tier list. Oh, it's just, it's, it's too good. It's too good. It's like game breaking. It's detrimental and, or like, and you pretty much have to take it. So, mm. One example is crossbow expert. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, it comes souped up with stuff. You get some good stuff for crossbow expert. The problem with crossbow expert is it makes bows suboptimal. Mm. So if you're playing the, the elven archer with the long bow, you're still, you're, you're kind of losing out that you didn't take a crossbow instead because you can, get that attack as a bonus action and your problem could basically be fixed if you just take crossbow yes it's not like there's a a a longbow specific version there's not a longbow specific thing speaking of which 
both the crossbow and the longbow user have to take another feat. Which one is it? Sharpshooter. It's sharpshooter. They mm. have to take it. Hey, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's abs. Well, you know why you got it? Because you see it in every game. Yeah. It's it's every time. Like people are like, oh, rangers are bad. Yeah, but sharpshooter exists. <laughs> and also, no, they're, they're not, not bad. And also, yeah. they're not bad. But they also get sharpshooter, which is ridiculous. First of all, you ignore cover, which is already amazing. Oh, okay. yeah. And then on top of that, you basically can power attack from a range. And you mm. take negative five mm. to, to, to add your damage. Now, in third edition, this was actually a, a bigger sacrifice because enemy AC was going up and up and up and up. Oh, right? it got, it got freaking nuts. But in fifth, it's like bounded okay, accuracy. The, exactly. So they're like, all right. So the highest AC, I think ever, I actually do have a monster manual here. But I think like the highest AC that any monster has is maybe 23. Uh, it, it's yeah. so, somewhere in, I think, in the low to mid 20s. I think it's, uh, yeah, I don't think anything has anything higher than that. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and most most uh, monsters, at least in the beginning, for the tiers of play that almost every group is going to see, the highest AC you're going to see is about 17. Well, because so, their their whole idea was basically that it's it's not so much about can you hit the thing, it's when you hit the thing, does it do much? Like a dragon is so freaking big, you know, it's like the idea of hitting the broadside of a barn. Oh, you'll hit it for all the good it'll do you. Yeah, so you right? combine that with your ability to gain advantage. Mm-hmm. And advantage is really interesting in 5th edition because you can you roll twice and take the better results. No longer plus two, plus four, plus five. Right. right? So, and it's it, you can, it's a massive statistical benefit for sure. It's a it, it's pretty good. So, I I heard someone say, I think it was Spike, but I, I think I heard somebody say that advantage was pretty much equivalent to plus four or plus five. They uh, like Keith, like on average. Keith Amon talks about it in uh, oh, Monsters okay. Know What They're Doing. He he actually yeah, breaks he it, it down like. I, I don't remember specifically, but I do remember oh. that he he did uh, speak to that pretty extensively, actually. Like he uh, he broke it down really well uh, for anyone out there who who hasn't read it. Definitely go check that out. In fact, I don't even think you need to buy the book if you go to I think it's the monsters dot com. Uh, yeah. He has those as. Uh, like blog posts where you could just read it over there too. So uh, another example would be a uh, pull arm master, right? Mm. If you're doing pulls, you have to take it. Otherwise you picked wrong, right? It's too good. You get an extra bonus attack, which isn't even, it, it wouldn't even be like that big a deal if it didn't also come with all the other implications, right? So you can also hit someone that enters your threatened range and there was something else too. What is it? What's the third thing you get? So you, get the off, you get the offhand attack. You get the attack of opportunity, and you get something else. I forget. I forget. Anyway, it, it's it's just outright better than other things, right? So if you're gonna deal with it at all, and by the way, a lot of people will still take a shield with it, and they will often combine this feat with sentinel. Yeah, and the re- and the reason they do that is because it can. 
uh, stop people on their tracks. Polar Master plus Sentinel equals tanking. Yeah. Right. So it's it's pretty pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, so a great feat, but also problematic in that sense. You know, it does make me think though that if you like, if I think about it in reverse, you know, whether whether or not the the design is you know great or not yeah it i think from at least a you know kind of a flavor standpoint it does kind of make sense to me at least in that like okay somebody who is a who is an expert with pole arms would be able to do these things so if you see yourself as being somebody who is very proficient with pole arms, mm-hmm. they would be able to do these things. Therefore, of course, you would take that feat. So, you know, it, it, I think it kind of turns into like a, what came first, the chicken or the egg kind of, uh, kind of thought exercise. Um, so you, you, you said, but it's you said that you, you like feats, right? Yes. Yes, I do. So, you also enjoy winning encounters, right? Well, so, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. We're supposed so to let, love our ones, right? Lo- that's right. That's true. But <laughs> they're supposed to be usually the exception, right? Um, gonna, some games, some games are not. Um, remember the pirate game we were talking about where you just, you suck all the time. Like you just, keep getting brought onto these crews and then your crew gets stomped and you basically get brought on to the next one who beat the one that you just joined and on and on and on. There you go. <laughs> so one, one feat that I real okay. Well, the point I was making was, so let's say you're doing standard point by, right? Yep. So the, the highest that number you can get, if you're doing point by, which most groups do, um, I think, uh, is what number? It's 15, right? That's, bar- that's before- barring racial bonuses. Yes, 15 then. Yeah, 15. Okay. So with a racial bonus, you can conceivably 17. have 17, right? Because if you, let's say you're doing dexterity because dexterity is amazing and you pick elf, right? Then you can get plus two. So that 15 can become a 17, which makes your modifier a three instead of a two right correct so which may not sound like a big deal except for when you consider that it affects your armor class your attack rating your damage and most of the primary skills that you're going to be using dex is Uh, definitely you know if if anything is it's a big considered op you know it it has a massive influence you know when you stack it against something like con or whatever so, so Dex is maybe not fair because Dex is particularly problematic in this sense. Yeah. So let's say, let's say we're talking about strength. Sure. Okay. I don't want to like straw man the argument too hard. So let's say you're doing strength. Okay. So you have 17 strength because you picked half work or whatever. All right. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do you need to do at level four? If you want to keep up with damage and group effectiveness, you're pretty much going to take either a strength increase or you're going to take one of those half feats that pushes yep. you to 18. That that's what I was just thinking. I'd go for a for a plus one feat that has some 
cool stuff tied to it. And I think that that's perfectly acceptable, right? Yeah. That's, that's totally great. So let's say landing you take skill. on the odd number doesn't do diddly for you anyway. But by the way, that's why I love the skilled feat. I think it's actually pretty great. Um, cause you, uh, get to get that half feet bonus and then you get the skill proficiency. That's pretty neat. Skilled is fun. So, um, or is it skill expert? Maybe it's skill expert. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. But anyway, um, so then it rounds you out to 18. What do you have to do at level eight? You get your ASI so that you, you get the you 20. You got it, right? Because you got to hit that 20, okay? Yep. Because especially, so, okay. Now, when does the average campaign end? Yeah, you're talking around, probably around 10. Yeah, around 10. So maybe if I'm a fighter by now, I also have uh, what feet am I going to take? Most likely. If I if I get one feet I actually want, the one that I actually wanted the whole time, what is it? What a- That's right, Great Weapon Master. Oh. Because Great Weapon Master is also an S tier broken feet, right? Because it's and when I say broken, I don't mean it's overpowered. I mean it's like the only choice. Mm-hmm. Because the dual wield equivalent is not good. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's not even close. It's not even close to as effective. Okay. And See, there's that that's, and you're asking someone who deliberately doesn't choose that. I'll keep pace with my score, but beyond that, I'll take off beat feats and stuff like that. Like, absolutely. I yeah. think I've deliberately, I think I've deliberately avoided doing that one possibly because Everyone's like, oh, it's but it's great weapon master. I'm like, well, I want to play a bare knuckle, dude. So I'm not going to be using great weapons. Yeah. So I still you thought know. you felt you, you played your character very effectively. Thank you. Uh, but w- part of the thing that actually worked about it, that was that our GM Spike, he said, basically take the stats you want. Yeah, so, that's true. So everybody showed up with these like ridiculous superhumans. Right. And like, you know, the, we were we were more like the X-Men than we were like a D&D party. Well, right? and also, so, I, I didn't exactly build my guy to to be a damage dealer. I was more um, honestly, it was kind of crowd control. You know, it, it was a lot of grappling, a lot of pushing, a lot of throwing. You know, I don't need to to have a weapon that can deal damage where I can just honestly, throw you into a I lake felt- of lava. <laughs> I felt like your character was like what a monk wants to be. Yeah. Um, and let's not get started on <laughs> monks. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, because you did play this like utility fighter and it, and it worked really well. So fun. And, and fighter is one of those uh, classes that because they get the additional ASIs, they they get uh, a little bit more in terms of option and flexibility. Right. Because you get one it. at level six. Or whatever, right? which is and nice considering that you know, unless you're playing like Eldritch Knight, you you're basically foregoing access to all those cool spells, but you get you get the opportunity to load up on a bunch of neat feats, which is pretty cool. So let me ask you a question. So you like feats? So when they inevitably release the next you know thing, what do you hope they're approach to feats is like 
Oh man, that's a that's a huge question. Um, because at this point, I've probably implied what I want. I but I I, I want to hear what you think. I don't want it to be tied. I and and this is this is an off the cuff answer. So <laughs> give give me a little bit of leeway out there, folks. Um, but I think generally. I don't want them to be as tied into numbers. Um, yeah, I I would love it if I want it to be a lot of flavor. I want it to be, you know, maybe access to different maneuvers. Like, you know, you you can like you learn how to use like a like a very specialized weapon, like a whip. Or something, you know, it, it gives you access to things that average Joe Schmo couldn't figure out how to do without some kind of extensive practice or training. Um, but it, I don't I don't enjoy and I agree with you the whole like, you know, it gives you plus one to this. It gives you plus two to that, whatever, you know, that yeah, plus two when. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus two. If because then because yeah, the instant you bring that math into it, it just it does become just a matter of, OK, go crunch the numbers and figure out which one gives you the biggest numbers where you need the numbers. And then it's not about role playing. It's about make your numbers as big as they can be. And so, I and I mean if that's if that's what's fun for folks, you know, that's fine, but it's it's not my bad. Yeah. So, you know, of course the the it would be a feat unto yeah. itself to design the perfect system, right? Uh-huh. Like that is that would be extremely difficult. And I don't want anyone to take this as like disparaging the designers. Oh, like God, I have no I have nothing but respect. Also, for this uh, amazing thing that they've made in in all of these games, I even though I I don't like some of this stuff, like that's just my opinion, man. I I, <laughs> I I'll I'll also say this. I I thought of this uh, a while back when when you were talking, and it just popped back into my head. So I just want to say it before I lose it. Um, yeah, really, it it was when you were talking about the uh, the the fella on YouTube who had the tier list, um, really monks temple. Yeah. When, when you have a selection of anything in a system where it's like, unless it is literally 100% flavor with zero statistical or mathematical impact, unless that's going to be really hard to do. Yeah, for sure. So, Barring that situation, it is impossible for there not to be ones that are a bit better and a bit worse. You are going to have some that that are some that are more applicable in a wider range or some that are uh, that are less applicable, except for in narrow circumstances, but maybe they are kind of an obvious choice if you're trying to do a certain thing like avoiding that seems damn near impossible to me i think it's more a question of how how extreme those uh 
those the pros and cons of those things are. Because on the other hand, if you balance them so hard that they're all the same, then they're all like the same and they're freaking boring, right? So So you're going to have some differences. Yeah, of course. And, and of course, if we take out, you know, crossbow expert and sharpshooter and stuff, then something else becomes the really good thing, right? Like, right. Until we get all the way down to toughness. And like, if you don't take toughness, you're objectively wrong. Right. Right. So there is some of that. Right. But I, what I would say is let's look at the stuff that's really working well, that people tend to enjoy, but also feel like they're effective. Hmm. So, these are what I would say are like your A tier uh, feats. So they're like the gold standard. Yeah. And most of them are in Tasha's. <laughs> sure. So Faye touched, Shadow touched. Um, these are both great. Uh, and why? Because they give you spells. <laughs> um, Tasha's also gives you the um, option for custom lineage. So if you pretty much want to play variant human, but don't want to say you're a human, then you can take this. I love that. Right. And so most people, when they do that, they just take Fey touched because it gives you misty step and something. And who cares? You got misty step, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's I, pretty good. As we like, you're, you're talking to someone who, who often deliberately chooses not to go with magic. So like for me, I, I just like the idea of being able to make a Goliath who, who has, you know, a cool martial feat to start out with, you know, absolutely. But imagine that you take Missy step and instead of thinking of it, like, oh, I disappear into mist and reappear over here, flavor it. Like my Goliath freaking jumps nine feet in the air and brings his hammer down 30 feet away and smashes this guy. I mean, mechanically, what you did is you teleported and then hit the guy, right? But, like, now you can say, oh, my Goliath does this awesome thing, right? And so, again, flavor is free. So we can we can revamp these however we want. And would you like it better if it said, okay, your character can teleport 30 feet away uh, once per long rest uh, plus gain uh, once a day, you can add five to your AC as a reaction. Cause if you like that better, it's pretty much exactly the same, right? It's just, well, because then- it's called spell, you know, if it can feel different and because spells have sort of an implied flavor to them, you know, you can, you can let it kind of get in the way of of the fun right right but if you can get past that you can explain a concept through a spell combined with class features and and abilities and stuff well and then then i would wind up even getting into essentially custom feats because i you know yeah i might like the idea of that you know leap attack sort of sort of deal but maybe i don't want to be fey touched or shadow touched Maybe it's just martial training or whatever the heck. So then you basically are just reskinning feats altogether. See, but that, that's what I'm saying. So it would make you feel better if I called it something different and didn't say that you 
had any fey in your blood, but mechanically it's 100% the same. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So you can do that even without any outside assistance, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can just say that and you win. Sure. Right. Like that's totally fine. Another feat I really like is chef. Okay. Mm. Chef allows you to make snack packies for your buddies. That's okay? cool. And it allows you to do who cares? It does other stuff. No one cares. It's already great. Okay. Because it's fun. It's funny. And it is actually kind of effective. Yeah. Right? Cause you're, you're essentially giving everybody a way to not die. <laughs> you get some temp HP that can save you a hit, especially at like early levels, by the way, I know a lot of people disparage this feat. I have come to very much enjoy um, inspiring leader. Oh, yeah. Um, it's definitely got plenty of application. First of all, my, in my game, I have to give at least a short speech. The, my GM, thankfully, doesn't make me speak for 10 minutes straight like the feat describes. But if <laughs> I, you know, if I give him about a minute, usually that's all anyone can take. And so after I finish my TED talk, you know, everyone in my party is adding, you know, a ton of hit points because my my bard, of course, has 20 charisma because obvious. And then I'm like level 13 or something. So, you know, everyone on your team gets 18 temp HP. So it's both fun, flavorful and effective. Right. Sure. But if it isn't so effective that I would say every bard must take inspiring leader. Right. It is. Yeah. It, it does take a 10 minute wind up pitch. Right. So you can't just do it all the time. And in some games, it won't be appropriate. And I think another thing that needs to be a goal of these feats is this is going to work in a, in some games, but maybe not all. Right. And yeah, you know, make, make but that only works some, if there's feats that don't always work. Make right? them somewhat niche. Uh, yeah, so because I, I those- want B tier feats overall, right? Because mm. I want stuff that's good, fun in a very specific thing, right? Or is I like mean, heck helps me express what I'm doing in a way where I still don't feel compelled to have to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even when like with with Promise, my uh fighter that we were talking about earlier. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the things that I got for him that allowed him to do things were things that he wasn't doing all the time. It was just Mm -hmm. when the situation presented itself, who boy, here comes the fun, but it, but it isn't this sort of like, you know, where it becomes almost a compulsion where it's like, now that you have this, this is you, this is what you freaking do. And if you're not doing this because you took this, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not fun either. So no, it's not. So making feats, these kind of interesting, you can do this very particular kind of thing. And it, you won't be able, you won't have a reason to do it all the time, but when there's a call for it, you're the guy, right? Absolutely. So I, I like, I like that idea. Right. And part of the reason why you were able to feel 
like you had some leeway with promise again, as we all had inflated stats, right? Sure. So you don't have to worry about ASI if you get to start the game at, you know, 18 strength, right? Yeah. So that's pretty handy. Um, that also leads to possible house rules. Like, should you decouple those things? Should, you know, what's I've interesting about is that is yeah. they are called feats, right? They're not called features. They're called feats. What is a feat? Well, a feat in, in a sense is something amazing you did. Yeah. Right. It is a, it's an accomplishment. So, why why are feats things that we take instead of things that we earn? And I know a lot of people um, flavor that anyway or like house rule it, right? They just, okay, since your character once again critically hit regardless of cover, I'm just going to give you sharpshooter, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that. And that would, that would feel maybe a little bit better, right? Yeah. Um, but... Having said that, another thing that people really do enjoy about feats is the level of customization that they feel like they can get at level one. And this is something where Pathfinder tends to do better. And when you tell people, when people say, I really prefer Pathfinder, one of the big reasons I get is I feel like I have more customization up front. That that's gotta be the, I mean, shoot. I don't think they really do. And that that's my counter argument. Is I say, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here, but once you've essentially picked two things, you have the kind of ideal stuff that comes right right away, and then you have prereqs and blah blah blah. Well, blah. but frankly, and then it, and I'll, then you 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 basically pigeonhole to yourself. What I mean, what really matters is how it feels. If if people yes. if people yeah. feel like they're getting all the customization they need, you know, whether the numbers say otherwise, that person is satisfied by what they're being offered. Right. But there's just as much criticism out there saying, you know, while at first these feel like a lot of options after you've played a few times, you realize this is a lot more shallow than it seems. Sure. So, and and, and there's vehement debate that exists surrounding that. Right. So what I'm saying is I'm not, again, don't boil anything I'm saying down, down to Pathfinder good, D&D bad, oh, or definitely vice versa. Not. You know, what I'm saying is going forward, what should be the philosophy surrounding feats? And I think that they went the wrong direction in fourth edition. I think they realized that. Yep. And they made a course correction because the main part in the beginning that I read where I think they really screw up is having a feat not be a thing that gives you a new ability. Right. A feat should be something cool you can do. Yep. You can now perform this neat new action. I think that is the simplest way I can put it. Yep. Engaging gameplay. Yeah, I would agree. And when you, because when you get into number crunches, we're actually not engaging. Right. At least not on the same level. Right. I want to be able to do a leap attack. I want to be able to do a judo throw. I want to be able to transform my fire spells and ice spells, you know, whatever. Yeah. I want to be able to do the cool thing that makes me feel custom, but doesn't break the game. Yeah. The, um, the numbers, the numbers are not something that you are 
actively engaging with on a moment to moment basis. Really, it's something you set up beforehand and then you, you know, you pull the trigger and you read it when it's necessary. But you're you're never your character is never going to vocalize any of your numbers ever. Yes. But you as a player are going to say them over and over and over again. Right. To the point where that's all anyone's saying. And so now we might be uh, outweighing the war game half. Right. Right. If you, if you will. So anyway, I feel that they are kind of aware of this. Yeah. I feel like with a lot of the recent stuff we've seen, uh, we've seen a shift to to what we're talking about to like these more engaging gameplay features yeah and certainly we're not the the first people to say hey maybe these feats aren't as great as people think right um there's a lot more detailed stuff out there from like i said tree amongst temple from pack tactics and uh, keith amon yeah you know there's a lot of people that are way better at optimizing than I am down to calculating DPR numbers. Yeah. But, you know, before you say anything, they are, they would be some of the first to agree with you that if it's not fun, don't do it. Oh yeah. Right. So I do, I do give them a lot of credit for that. You know, and I, I think it, it also probably bears mentioning that, you know, fifth ed, so far has had a pretty long life and the feats that we're seeing now have come a good number of years after that first player's handbook was published. And there have been like the entire design team over at Watsi has, has changed. There are, there are people there who were on the team when, when 5e first was published who are not there anymore and there are there's new blood there who weren't on the team at that point and Uh people are the the way the game is looked at and the way the game was when it was initially published has definitely shifted like like you've mentioned up until now so I think the options that they're trying to give folks now, like with the feats that came out in Tasha's and beyond, um, I think some of the Xanathar racial feats are pretty good too. Yeah. And I think that they are trying to, I think they're doing the best that they can. Oh, with, certainly within, they're doing the best they can. Right. Within the, within the context and the framework of 5e as it stands now. And I think that when, when six ed sixth ed inevitably <laughs> comes out when, whenever that is yeah, that yeah. having, having an entirely new edition of the game will allow them a design freedom to, to take an entirely new stab at how do we structure feats? How do we, you know, do we decouple them from ability scores? You know, when can you get them? What allows you to get them? You know, what do they entail? That sort of thing. And that even goes down to 
you know, how do we approach ability scores themselves and stuff? Having that freedom to just build a new system from the ground up, having learned these lessons from third edition, from fourth edition, from fifth edition, even from seeing what they do in Pathfinder uh, with, with their ideas that they've had over there, you know, it will be very interesting to see what lessons they have learned, the different takeaways that they've gotten um, from this pretty extensive process. I mean, you know, look at all the play testing that Watsy has done from, from when uh fifth edition was still D and D next, you know, they had these massive online public play tests and, just constant feedback and everything. And it was way more than we had seen done for previous editions, at least that I knew about. Um, and I'm guessing that things will become even more sophisticated moving forward. And it'll be really amazing to see, honestly, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. I hope it's, I hope it's good. And uh, I, I, I'm optimistic. Me I'm too. optimistic about it. Um, but this is that that's kind of my wish list. That's my griping. And, um, you know, hopefully we understand uh, a little more about what we want from feats and um, and their place in the game. Yeah. And in other games. And because maybe not every game has feats per se, but almost everything has, you know, traits, special abilities. Oh, sure. Talents, whatever you call it. But they're all pretty much here's a unique buff that you get. Yep. All right. So, um, one feat we don't have often is ending this podcast in a timely <laughs> manner. Oh my um, god! Should we? Should we? Uh, you know, put a nail in this R- one. Wrap wrap it on up because uh, you know you've been on the on the freaking road all day. So I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, when you get home from a from being on even a nice vacation. Isn't sleeping back in your own bed like the best? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's absolutely. A beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful man. My back was killing me. Oh, one last thing I do need to mention. So we did a one shot yesterday in in the in our Monday night game Ooh. that where we you would have loved this, by the way. Um, we we were playing a game called Honey Heist. Oh and, my god. And in that game, you everyone is a bear and your goal is to steal honey in a somewhat complex but also really dumb shenanigan filled uh Oceans 8 type heist thing. Oh my god. But you're all still like just bears. Ah! And part of your specs is that you pick what type of bear you are or you roll on a table. And like a like one skill you have, and then everything else is just the human outfit you have, and whether or not that adds points to believability. Oh man, do I go grizzly or do I do Kodiak? Just so just a so Kodiak's not an option. Dude. So so you're gonna have to just play grizzly and then flavor Kodiak. All right? Oh, right on. So I I played a grizzly with a yeah. cowboy hat. Named Sweet Paw McGraw. Oh, man. I, but 
you you realize that you had a massive missed opportunity, right? Oh, uh, why, why is that? Because you could have named him Adams. It's right there, dude. Grizzly Adams. Yeah, it's that, right that, there. Well, that could that can be when you do it. That, um, but that'd be weird. That'd be like you playing a guy named Andrew. Like it's just. Oh, I see. I there, see. There's that's. I don't know. It'd be like so, looking in a mirror, but not, but seeing someone different, but moving the same way you do. Like, so really- our, our party also had a sun bear um, <laughs> who freaked my character out with his long tongue. And then uh, we had a panda who was psychotic. Um, so like and, a panda, right? Yeah. So a panda. <laughs> Now, and question: uh, It was a tough one. Koala is not on the list. Koala bear, but honey badger is. Ooh, I hear they so do you, not give a f. I that's what I hear. They're um, mean. So yeah, they had sun bear, grizzly, panda, polar, honey badger, black, and polar. Uh, polar bears and black crazy. bears apparently are the best bears. Um, they're very well rounded. So. Dwight says there are two schools of thought (laughs) when it comes to which bear is best, but then Jim cuts him off. Um, It says uh, that it's black bear. So I mean, apparently, so then I listened to tear zoo and they broke down which bears were best. I think I watched that one a ways back. (laughs) That was really good. That's a great Oh, I think black fun. bear was the, was the top tier, top tier. Like that's what you want to be. Oh man. Um, if, if the game is about survivability. Mm. So man, anyway, I just extended the episode longer, but it was a blast and our faces hurt from laughter. See, that's by the time that's it was what, done. That's all I want. That's all I want in a game. It was a really good time. It was a really good time. Honey heist. Oh, I highly man. recommend 10 out of 10 would bear would again derp around and pretend to be a bear again. Oh man. Can it was it, a very good time. Was it an unbearable amount of fun? Oh, it really was. It was That's It was totally possum. Ah, uh, possum. A possum is not a bear. Andrew, I think our podcast, our episode needs to uh, hibernate. So if you would, <sighs> sir, all right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are glad to be back. Uh, if you liked any part of this, because frankly, I would understand if if you were like that part in the middle is pretty good, or those guys intro like really well, or I like this this two minutes they talked about a weird bear game, and all that other <laughs> stuff could take a hike. You know, whether you liked any of that. Head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and check out the different tiers that we have and maybe support the show. You'll get access to our super cool discord and you can come talk to us. And we talk about all kinds of nonsense like this all the time, as well as non nonsense or sense, as some might call it. Uh, And we can give you advice on your games or how you like to play or, uh, you know, just shoot the breeze. And give you just a talk l- about your cats mostly. <laughs> we are we, we we all took the talk about cats feet 
<laughs> we really kind of did. Not to be confused with talking about our cat's feet. That's different. Anyway. Um, so anyway, yeah. Check out the Patreon. Come hang out with us. And, um, you know, think about the feats you use. And honestly, think about maybe some cool house rule ways that you could approach feats that uh, maybe the designers didn't put into the game, but might make the game more fun for you or make feats feel better. Because, uh, frankly, it's your game and you do what you want. And that's super fun. That's the feat you have. So... Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. <laughs> I clicked the wrong button. <laughs>